After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome into the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, be sure to hit the follow button, whether you're on iTunes or one of the Android platforms, including Google Play, Podbean, or even Spotify, which we were put on recently. If you follow us, you'll make sure to get all of the old episodes we've done, a lot of which still hold up, and also all of the new episodes, you'll get a notification, as long as you click on notifications, as soon as they post. Also check out the other podcasts in our network, Three Yards Per Carry, Ballscast, Miami Heat Beat, and Pitch Invasion Soccer. We'll be adding five more podcasts to the network over the summer. All right, Chris, yesterday we had to mobilize pretty quickly after the LeBron James news. We covered a lot of angles that had to do with LeBron going to Los Angeles. I think now we've gotten a little bit more clarity about what the league looks like. The one thing we really didn't do a ton of yesterday, Chris, was talk about basketball. We, we talked about sort of the legacy ramifications for LeBron, the reasons for leaving Dan Gilbert, his attraction to playing for Magic Johnson and somebody who shares his business interests and his political interests and all of the things that play into that. But we really didn't do the basketball thing. And then we made a smart decision today because we were going to post this episode maybe a little earlier, tape it a little bit earlier. But you know where the NBA news can break at just about any time and could break while we're on the podcast here. Who knows? Uh, you know, Pat Riley could trade 12 assets for Kawhi Leonard and we'll have to start over. I have my watch notifications ready. They're ready. They're ready. Make sure you have Shams, too, and, and all of the other guys. But uh, what happened about a half hour before we were going to tape tonight was another seismic move in the NBA, and one that got me to throw up my hands on Twitter at the Five Reasons Sports account and just say, why are we following this league anymore? Because <laughs> it is just it is just absolutely insane. I mean, just for some context on the DeMarcus Cousins signing with Golden State, he's going to sign a one-year contract for a little over $5 million. And again, for some context, I mean, I don't want to piss off Heat fans here. It's approximately, approximately 20% of what the Heat will play, pay Hassan Whiteside this year. It's approximately 25% of what they'll pay Tyler Johnson. It's less than half of what they'll pay Deion Waiters. It's about a third of what they'll pay James Johnson and Kelly Olynyk. even though Kelly had a very good season. Um, it is insane. And this is what happens when a team is, as uh, Joe Lacob has said, the owner of the Golden State Warriors, light years ahead of the rest of the NBA. <laughs> he was and, right. And, we made he, fun of him. He, he was right. He was right. And Levitard killed him for it. I wonder if Dan's gone back on that at all. But he was abs- it was completely arrogant and it was completely correct. And I know that people are going to pound their fists at this. And I think rightly so, because I, like I thought Kevin Durant was a tipping point in terms of 
this just being unfair. Like it was fair the first couple of years because this was built organically. Curry was drafted. Clay Thompson was drafted. Draymond Green was drafted late. Um, even other guys that they got, like Barnes was an effect. None of them, player. even while being drafted, were the prodigies either. It's not like they got like three LeBrons or, you know, three no. number one picks after tanking. Like it was a seventh pick, a tenth pick, and a 35th pick. Like all these, yeah. you know, it's they, just this amalgam of decent prospects to bad prospects, even. They built through the middle, basically. Um, they did the most impossible thing to do. They made a coaching change that helped ignite them. They made smart decisions like Jerry West, who's now with the Clippers, but Jerry's stepping in. Sorry, Johnny from uh, our uh, our Miami Heat beat who thinks that Jerry West is an idiot who, who couldn't play in the modern day but 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 Jerry West uh you know made the decision not to trade Klay Thompson for Kevin Love like everybody at the time was like you trade Klay Thompson for Kevin Love Kevin Love is putting up these ridiculous numbers in Minnesota Jerry West knew that Klay Thompson was a better player than Kevin Love and a better fit than Kevin Love even Mark Jackson who we mock and I, I wish would be off the broadcast because they should put Doris Burke where he is but Mark Jackson said and I I remember I was, you know, at well his pregame pressers whenever Golden State would come to town against the Heat, and he said very early on, Curry and Clay is the best shooting backcourt of all time. And at the time, it seemed like sort of a ridiculous notion, like Mark Jackson, you know, hand down, man down, exaggerating. Um, but he was correct. I mean, at that time, and certainly that's played out to be true. So you give the Warriors credit for putting themselves in this position, but if you're an NBA fan, I completely understand how you look at this and you're like, I mean, come on. Like, and, and that's even with us not knowing how DeMarcus is going to come back from an Achilles injury. Like, there's no risk to this. They don't even have to play him until April. Like, just let him sit in bubble wrap, play whoever it is they get off of the street now. I mean, bring David West back. I mean, they can play a bunch of guys at the five, and they can roll out DeMarcus for game four against the Lakers after LeBron has had to go for 53, 15, and 13 in game three to pull out a one-point victory at home in the Staples Center in a 1-8 matchup. Like, that's that's basically, <laughs> that's basically, where, that's basically where the league is. And, I, you know, I, I, I said yesterday on the pod, like, I thought LeBron going to L.A. was the best possible thing for the league because you're going to have power centers in four big cities, which is Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, and Philadelphia. But again, every time I feel like the league has really found something like the Warriors come along and just kick you in the teeth like, okay, it's all interesting, but none of it matters. Like none of it matters and none of it matters this year and none of it matters in the future because Cousins is going to get healthier and he's probably going to want to stay there. And this isn't a guy who is unfamiliar to the Bay Area, Chris. He played in Sacramento all those years, and now he's going to the better franchise. So I, I just, uh, to me, it's too much. I think Boogie Cousins is going to be there for one year. I think he knew that on his Achilles injury, he was never going to get the long-term big extension that he wanted, right? That he wanted from New Orleans, that he wanted from whomever, right? So you go and you perform some career rehab. He's going to win a championship, and he's going to get the contract that I think he wants, I don't think Golden State can afford to give it to him. So I really think this is a one-year, probably like you said, given the fact that he probably doesn't play until January or February, maybe a three- or four-month pit stop in, in a city, so, or at least in regular season-wise, probably a, a six-month play, basically, to rehab your career, play with a team that is perfectly set up to take advantage of his every skill set, and go and win the championship and go somewhere else and, and get your big money contract. But it is the embarrassment of riches. We we mentioned it yesterday when we were talking about Pat Riley being able to build around LeBron James and adding players of Ray Allen's caliber and Shane Battier's caliber. And I think a lot of people at the time 
felt that when the Heat added Ray Allen, it made the league unfair. And in some respects, it did because the Heat continued to go to NBA Finals and won two championships and the like. But I just feel like with the league at the moment, there is still this feeling that every summer we get together on our phones for Woj and Shams notifications and these massive things happen every summer and other leagues just don't have that like baseball used to be a league where when big players moved to the Yankees it was a huge deal in football when quarterbacks moved it was a huge deal we spent a lot of time trying to make ourselves interested in Kirk Cousins moving to the Vikings it's just not that interesting and so the league is still in that kind of position where the offseason movement the conversation around the league is so dominant that other leagues would kill for one night like LeBron moving to the Lakers, much less Boogie Cousins going to the Warriors. So they are still dominating the conversation. But I have to think at a certain point, for me, their ratings were up last year because they made changes in their clock, basically. They got rid of commercial breaks, and people watch games longer when there are less commercials. It's a fairly obvious theory. It was proven by the NBA releasing their data, and some ratings companies sort of delved into those numbers, and they found that the NBA ratings went up because they got rid of commercials. Now, what happens when they don't do something like this, and are are regional ratings going to go down? Are people going to watch the Charlotte Hornets? Are people going to watch the New Orleans Pelicans? Are people going to watch the Utah Jazz, well, I mean, maybe the Jazz are a bad example, but are are people going to watch these teams knowing they don't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning the championship? They already knew it, but this only reinforces it. Yeah, I think that's a big part of this. I mean, and and look, um, I understand that most people focus on the finals, and and the problem with the finals this year, of course, was that there were only four games, right? Mm -hmm. Like the NBA to make money on. I actually think this year's playoffs will be even better than last year's because you'll have the Lakers, and then hopefully we'll have healthy Boston, and healthy Boston represents right now to me the most formidable challenge to these Warriors but I don't but I think that challenge looks a lot less formidable now it does and we're going to talk about the Celtics a little bit too because I think we have to look at how this affects some of the other teams that were supposedly chasing the Warriors but look as far as the ratings go um, you're right I mean these regional markets it's just hard to get excited for it like uh, this starting lineup that the Warriors are putting out there, if Cousins is remotely healthy, is the best starting lineup in NBA history. It's the best starting lineup in NBA history. It's better than the Boston Celtics starting lineups in the 60s when there were nine freaking teams. (laughs) Now there are 30 Okay, and it's a better starting lineup than even the 80s Lakers had, because if you look at the 80s Lakers, yes, you had Magic and you had Worthy and you had Jabbar, but your other two pieces in there, Byron Scott and AC Green or Kurt Rambis were good players. Byron Scott was a better than average player, right? He was probably he was a top 10 two guard at that time. Okay, but their their front court player, their other front court player was a role player. Okay, that's what they rolled with at the four. Now, this lineup that you have, okay, you have arguably the best point guard in the league. If he's not the best, he's in the top three, okay? But I think he's the best, all right? And, and again, that, that's even, uh, you know, with Chris Paul still playing at a high level at his, at his age, with Damian Lillard's uh, development, with Kyrie Irving and all the rest. Curry, to me, is still the guy you choose first. Clay Thompson, as a two-way two-guard, as a two-way two-guard, is top three in the NBA, Okay, and so you've got him at that position. Kevin Durant is the second best small forward in the NBA. 
right behind LeBron James. Okay. And if you're going to put him at the four, he's the best four in the NBA. Um, and Draymond Green is like, I mean, you talk about a role player, but he's a role player. Like, I mean, not literally, but he's a role player on steroids. I mean, he, he is, he's an, he's an ultimate ultra role player. Um, he's much better you, you, than you, AC. You, you talk about or, fours in the league that you'd want. Like, is there a stretch four in the league that's more desirable at the moment than Draymond Green? Like, there, there, there can't be more than that, but a handful. No, I, I, I don't think there are too many of them. And then at the, at the center position, now you're adding a guy who, when he's healthy, and again, I know that's an issue. When he's healthy, he's someone who, over the past four years, has shot 37% from three, 37% from three, averaging five attempts per game in addition to everything else that he does. Can he be a little lazy defensively? Yes. Can he pick up some technicals? Yes. I mean, that's going to be fun with him and Draymond uh, on the court <laughs> at the same time. I mean, I mean, other teams are going to shoot some free that team, throws. That, that team sure. is going to be pissed off. <laughs> oh, oh, Their the disposition time. is going to be pissed off. All the time. I mean, if people were starting to hate the Warriors a little bit, like DeMarcus Cousins being added is going to help that cause uh, quite a bit. So, but, but the fact is, as a versatile offensive player at that position, we talk about what Embiid is becoming. DeMarcus Cousins was already that, okay? And you're, and you're putting him there. I mean, he was able to play next to Anthony Davis and make their games work, where I know that, that, the, that the Pelicans got better when Cousins went out, but I don't attribute that to Cousins because Cousins was playing at a really high level at that point. I just think sort of more was put on Anthony Davis's plate, and Drew Holiday picked up his game in the last, like, 30 games of the season. Season. And and, and, so and I think and I think that genuinely the, in in most teams there's really only room for one big and so mm-hmm. like in the case of big men they kind of need their own team and so Boogie Cousins going to a place where I mean if you took all of Javale McGee Kevon Looney Zaza Pachulia Jordan Bell if you took all their minutes and gave them to Boogie Cousins, Boogie Cousins it represents a significant upgrade. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, I, I'll take a look at what their numbers were. I mean, you even throw David West in there. I mean, like, if you just look at the guys that they've played at the five. And so how many minutes does he have to play? 25 minutes? Like uh, 25 minutes? And, that, right. Yeah. And and again, not even until the playoffs. So, I mean, it's the perfect landing spot. And that's the other thing about this, too, that also makes him sense. If he's just trying to rehabilitate himself physically and in all other ways to for a payday the next year, he's going to be motivated. Okay? So you don't have that issue with him. And because he's going to a team that does not need him, he's not going to be relied upon. So if if that's the thing, if Cousins went to the Lakers as the second star next to LeBron in that market with all the scrutiny, you know how much of a push there would be for him to come back and play. But in Golden State, like there's there's no urgency to it. Like and he's also playing for a coach and Steve Kerr who I think he'll relate to like some of the issues he's had with coaches like Sacramento went through like seven coaches when he was out there. They finally found one in Mike Malone that he liked. And then they fired Mike Malone when I believe cousins had meningitis and was out for like mm-hmm. two weeks. And, 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 I, and I believe it was because uh, Vivek Ronadive wanted them to play a higher tempo style. Well, not only did he want to play a higher tempo tempo style, he wanted to play play four on five. Like, that was the whole thing, right? Like, he had that whole thing about how he went to a girl's – he went to like a, a a girl's basketball game, and they were they 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 had they had one of the players cherry picking. Like this mm-hmm. was the idea that the Sacramento Kings owner had. This was some a cockamamie scheme that he had. So yeah, he didn't understand Demarcus Cousins, and he and he got rid of him. But uh, I'm going to look at the the centers numbers here from last year. If you look at the advanced stats for the centers on the Warriors, okay, and I'm just I mean there aren't a lot of great numbers uh, to look at, but let's just look at value over replacement player. Um, this is according to Basketball Reference. Kevin Durant was 4.5 VORP last year 
Curry was 4.4. Draymond was 3.0. Clay was kind of surprisingly just 0.9. Of their centers, nobody was was more than 1.0 in terms of that. Okay. And so basically their centers were all replaceable. Um, just they're just in and out. Okay. And look, the Heat did that a little bit too, right? Early on until they moved Bosch to the five. Like they were playing Elgowskis and McGlore and Dampier and, you know, all of those, Turioff, right. all those just, guys. Just, eat, just minutes eaters, guys to survive games in the regular season. Right. None of these teams uh, have had this kind of talent at that position. And one other thing that this does, and, and I was looking at these stats. If you look at ESPN does this sort of rating, um, you know, it's kind of like PER. It, it takes a whole bunch of things into account. So I was looking at it from this year. And now that uh, LeBron has moved to the West, of the top 10 players in their rating from last year... Is that, is nine, that, re, is that, re, is that real plus minus? Uh, it may be. It's just called ESPN here on the thing. So it says season leaders ESPN rating. So it, I, 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 can, uh, I can link to it here on the, uh, on, on the Twitter feed. But if you, if you look at, at where they are here, nine of the top 10 guys on this list are now in the West. Okay, this is the list. LeBron James, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Giannis, the one outlier, DeMarcus Cousins, who's now staying out West, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and Carl Anthony Towns. So you now have on that, of that list, and I don't know if it's real plus minus or what it is, but this is the, the number that ESPN is using. On that list, you now have three of the top eight from last season are on the Warriors. Three of the top, three of the top. Three of the top eight uh, in Cousins, Durant, and Curry. They're six, seven, and eight. It's just unfair at this stage. It's just unfair. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And here at Heat Beat, we talk all things Miami Heat from the absurd. The last time I saw Dion, I want to say it was like early March. He was hanging out in the locker room and he looked like he put on a few pounds. <laughs> so I know you guys are all excited about that. <laughs> to the serious. Wayne Ellington in particular was just getting caught on a screen for multiple seconds and that just that puts so much strain on the rest of the defense. With guests ranging from some guy on Twitter named Kevin to ESPN hosts like George Sedano, we have a little something for everyone and anyone. Check us out every week here at the 5 Reasons Podcast Network or find us on Twitter at MIAHeatBeat for all our updates, pods, and videos. It leads us to what I want to get into on the next topic here, which is LeBron. And I think we have more clarity about LeBron's decision now after the Cousins decision, mm -hmm. because I, I don't believe that LeBron was oblivious to this. I His people are too plugged in around the league. He's too plugged in around the league. He has a relationship with DeMarcus Cousins. Like he has always pushed DeMarcus Cousins out there. He's been very supportive of DeMarcus Cousins, even when other people were not. He had to know that something like this was coming. Had to. And so I think when you look at it now, you can say for sure LeBron made solely a lifestyle decision here going to the Lakers. That LeBron basically looked at the entire landscape and said, I can't win anywhere right away. It's not going to happen next year anyway. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if I force my way to Houston with a sign and trade because they're going to have to give up too many pieces, probably Capella for sure. We saw that Ariza left, so there wasn't going to be enough left there with Harden and Paul and him to really make a go of it. And did he really want to move to Houston, right? So that was part of it. Philadelphia, as a place that I pushed, the wife didn't really want to go there from everything that I've heard and now other people are talking about. And, you know, did you really want to sort of deal with Embiid uh, and raising Simmons? And as we saw, Philadelphia's had some trouble keeping some shooters. They kept Redick, 
but they didn't keep Ilyasova or Bellinelli. So would they have been able to bring in anybody else? So did he want to go to Philadelphia just to get to the finals, which they probably would have done, or at least pushed Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, when there was no chance of beating a Golden State with Cousins, Durant, Curry, Thompson, and Green anyway. So I think you look at that and you basically say, okay, he couldn't go to Golden State, right? We agree. Legacy play, you can't do that. Like that, You can't do what Durant did and then join Durant, okay? So that was not going to happen. So there was really only one place to go. If he, if he wants to be happy from a lifestyle perspective, his wife wanted to be out there. Uh, he, can, uh, he can make movies from anywhere, as people on our DM chat have been saying, but it's easier to make them if you're in Los Angeles and you're around everybody and you can just basically take a limo over to the studios between uh, shoot around in the game. Like It's just a much easier experience for him. And there's not going to be pressure on him to win right away like there would have been if he went to Philadelphia or somewhere else because people understand the Lakers are not positioned to do that. They're in Golden State's division uh, and conference, so they're not. It's it's not. They're playing them four times every year. Like so, all of this to me is just LeBron basically throwing up his hands for at least the next two seasons and saying, "I I can't beat them. I can't. There's nowhere I can go where I can beat them, and I can't join them. So let's go live in L.A. and make movies. Like that's the way that I read this. And I think now that the Cousins decision has become clear, not that the Warriors were somehow vulnerable anyway, but look, they were taken to seven games by Houston. They were down three two in that series before Chris Paul gets hurt, and they their bench was kind of a disaster last year. Chris, like it was not good. Like they were bringing Nick Young off. They lost Patrick McCaw, and that actually hurt them. And Quinn Cook was getting big moves. You and I were talking about that. Like, Quinn Cook was getting big minutes in a playoff game. Um, they needed to, to build out the roster a little bit and to build it out with arguably the most gifted five in the league when he's healthy and Agreed. motivated is ridiculous. So I think LeBron just gave up. And I don't blame him. Like, I think he just he was just like, whatever. Like, let's go to L.A. And, yeah. and I, I think it puts yesterday's decision in more context. Agreed. And to me, to me, first off, the for me, the, the, the list of uniquely talented big men is growing. I count Giannis in this discussion. I count Durant in this discussion just because they're 6'11 and taller. But in terms of traditional big men game, it's like Anthony Davis, Boogie, Porzingis, and Embiid. Like they're, they are the, the, the class of kind of, uh, of big men. But to, to get to your point, 100%. And you mentioned the Rockets in there. And, you know, if LeBron goes there, then maybe you'd say with with sort of comparing it to last year's Warriors, comparing it to, by the way, another year of attrition. So what this does for the Warriors is it stops them from really being a team. Now, they might still be that until Boogie Cousins gets back. But when he comes into the team, it's that reinjection of life. I heard uh, Bill Simmons today. You know how he loves his pop culture references. He's like, it's like a TV show. It needs a new character every year. And th- th- this year's new character is Boogie Cousins. And he's absolutely right because there was going to be boredom. There was going to be, oh, my God, it's another slog. It's another campaign. And Boogie just changes things a little bit. It's a it's a new wrinkle. They finally have a big man that can do a lot more than, you know, dunk and rebound and protect the rim like they they have a guy who is a legitimate weapon that they can spend the last four months of the year trying to figure out how to play with and so you have that and then you have that establishing of distance 
I th- we we saw this year the Rockets were close. They were onto something. They had a model, and I think if Chris Paul was healthy, they they can at least talk themselves into thinking they might have done it. And I think they might have done it. They might have gone and beat the Warriors if Chris Paul was healthy for for the seven games of that series. Now maybe the Warriors can counter and say that if they had Andre Iguodala healthy, then they might have had a better chance to compete more in that series. But I I, I just think that this feels like Daryl Morey you know, getting his arm ripped off like Luke Wilson in Anchorman and going, oh, come on! Like, and, and it's, it's, it, was, it was the whole league's reaction. The whole, le- the whole league's reaction was, you have got to be kidding me. LeBron got 24 hours. He got 24 hours to dominate the league, to dominate the storylines, and we're back here again. We're back here to the Warriors are going to own everything, and Boogie just changes that math a little bit. And if, like you said, if he's fully healthy... It's incredible what he does to reinvigorate that team. Yeah, and, and so I, to me, I'm going to be very interested to see what the reaction is um, from the average fan on this. And I think we've gotten a sure. little bit of it on Twitter so far that, you know, the average fan is saying kind of what I said, like, why are we bothering to follow this? We'll see what actually happens when the season starts. I mean, clearly the Warriors-Lakers matchups are going to draw tremendous interest. I just don't think they're going to be close <laughs> unless <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I, unless I, the Warriors I, just don't care at all during the regular I, season. I, I will say, to me, the two storylines that we're going to look out for from a basketball playing point of view at the beginning of the season are, for me, I still think the Warriors and the Lakers are going to struggle out of the gate. The Warriors for lack of caring and the Lakers because we've seen LeBron's team struggle at the beginning. And I, I think the Lakers are destined for this. But in terms of your in terms of your opinion that you think that this is now definitely cemented as a lifestyle choice, for me it is also a maneuverability choice because what the Cavs didn't have was the ability to get off of some of these contracts and figure out sort of what their plan is for the next few years. So you think of LeBron signing a long-term deal. Then you then you add the fact that they've signed all these one-year deals. One more year of giving Contavious Caldwell-Pope some money he was not getting elsewhere. Like, maybe he gets Doug McDermott money somewhere else, but I don't think he gets much more than that. Then you have, obviously, Lance and JaVale and these kind of Rondo today, these ridiculous cast of characters that, that have joined him but it it does there's one thing in common about all of them one year and so maybe maybe LeBron told Paul George not to come with him because he has bigger plans he's got bigger plans than just Paul George that he thinks he can get a better player to come out there next year and join his team maybe they trade maybe they you know finish the trade for Kawhi maybe they do it at the trade deadline when when the Spurs are totally up against it however it, it all comes together it does seem like LeBron has at least kicked the can for one more year maybe they don't end up using the stretch provision on Luol Deng because they're not going to win the league and they can trade him as an expiring contract contract like all these all these things get put into motion by virtue of the fact of LeBron acknowledging that he can't win the league the the the, the league this year and so there is that obviously lifestyle choice the entertainment choice the business choice but there is also that what do we do next year what can I really do to go again and beat and beat this Warriors team with whatever choice I end up making and I feel like his decision was my best chance to win a championship is with the 2019-2020 Lakers. And so maybe he's got something cooked up. He always has something cooked up. And given what we've seen from the Lakers in this offseason, it feels like they know that year two for LeBron is going to be much better than year, than year one. Well, it has to be because the things they've done on a basketball basis over the past 24 hours, other than signing LeBron, make absolutely 
absolutely no freaking sense to me. Um, and so, <laughs> so, so to me, it has to be about the one-year contracts and getting off these things. But I, I tweeted this out tonight, and it, this one kind of went viral a little bit. And I'm looking at it. It's got a 1,000 likes. So clearly a lot of people agreed. Um, here are the three-point percentages career-wise of the Lakers who are now around LeBron. Rajon Rondo, 30.9%. LeVar, uh, LeVar, I almost did it. You know, I keep that in. Don't edit that out. Lonzo Ball, (laughs) 30.5%. Lonzo Ball, 30.5% as a rookie. Lance Stevenson, 30.3%. Brandon Ingram, 32.9%. I know it got better at the end of last year. Laker fans were tweeting that at me. I'm aware of that, but it's 32.9 overall. Laker fans defensive? No. Uh, Not not in this. I've recognized, actually, at this point, like, if you just want to troll a fan base, that is the number one to ever tro- to troll. It's the Cleveland fans just get angry at you and and yell hateful things at you. Um, but the the Laker fans like they they honestly believe, um, like I said, that Kobe's the best player who's ever lived, and like you cannot challenge him in anything. Anyway, Ingram thirty two point nine percent overall. KCP Contavious Caldwell Pope thirty four point five percent overall. Again, I know he shot better last year but take a look at those six guys okay six guys and you can add josh hart if you want who shot a little bit better last year but you've got six guys there around lebron shooting career-wise between 30.3 percent and at the high end and it's one year kyle kuzma at 36.6 okay now for some context okay because we are a miami-based podcast we talk about the heat not having enough players right now right take a look at the career three-point percentages of some of the heat players wayne ellington 38.1 richardson 37.6 tyler johnson the guy everybody wants to trade right 37.1 percent goran dragic 36.4 Dion waiters the player that lebron did trade out of Cleveland, 34.1%. So Dion has shot it better for his career. And he's not known as a three-point shooter primarily, right? He shot it better for his career than all but two of the Lakers who will be around LeBron. Justice Winslow, 31.4% overall, which, by the way, is better than Lance Stevenson for his career. But uh, Justice shot 38% last year. So Justice shot it better than any of the Lakers have shot it over the course of their careers. So if you just take a look at that, you say, okay, what is the strategy for helping LeBron? The strategy has always been get as many shooters on the floor as possible. And I got one more for you. Look at the big three heat, okay? Here's the six guys that Pat Riley put around LeBron. Mike Miller, 40.7% for his career. James Jones, 40.1. Ray Allen, 40. Richard Lewis, 38.6. Battier, 38.4. Mario Chalmers, 35.1. Six guys who shot between 35% and 41% from three, in addition to Chris Bosh, who became a three-point shooter while he was there. Like, that's the model, Chris. So to me, what they're doing from a basketball perspective on its face makes no sense. It's only about the contracts. It's about these are guys we could get for one year that we can get rid of. These guys can't play with LeBron. Rajon Rondo's going to play with LeBron. I know yeah. that LeBron I know that LeBron uh, admires Rondo's intelligence, okay? I know Dwayne admires Rondo's intelligence. Like, I had a conversation with Dwayne before he ever played with Rondo in Chicago. We're out of the blue. You know, I was asking him what he admires most about LeBron, and he said his basketball IQ. He said the only guy in the league who's close to it is Rondo. And this was after all the issues between Wade and Rondo where Boston fans still think that Wade intentionally broke Rondo's elbow, right? But clearly – 
Dwayne had to give LeBron a good review of Rondo. I don't think that LeBron goes out and approves this move unless he's comfortable with Rondo. And he probably asked Dwayne about it. And I think Dwayne had a pretty good experience with Rondo in Chicago. And, and you have, and you have to say that he was really good for New Orleans in the playoffs. He was excellent. Really he was excellent. good. Like, like he, we, we talk about playoff P right with, with, with Paul George, like playoff Rondo is a totally different player. He is. And he's still a terrible fit next to LeBron. Like I, I, I that's the thing. Like, he was he was absolutely great, but how are you going to put a guy out there who's such a minus as a shooter next to LeBron? When again, Rondo needs the ball in his hands. Now, yes, he gets off of it, but Rondo has always made the assist for the purpose of making the assist, right? Like it's, he's not big on the hockey assist. It's all about the pass that's going to lead to something in the record for him. And so the idea of having him and LeBron out there at the same time you're going to need spacers with them. And the spacer is going to be Contavious Caldwell Pope. The spacer is going to be what? I mean, I guess Kuzma, Ingram developing that part of his game. But if you're keeping Lonzo Ball, and we don't know if they are, please send him to San Antonio. I want LeVar and Pop to have to deal with each other. But like, <laughs> but, but if you're keeping Lonzo Ball, like I can see how Rondo could be a really good mentor to Ball because, uh, again, they have some similarities in their game. Okay. I mean, Rondo is sort of the mat. There's the Rondo. Rondo is the master of the kid triple double. Like that's mm-hmm. it's part of Rondo's game. And he's that's got a bit of magic of, in him too, doesn't he? he? He's got some magic in him. I, I think magic's going to appreciate his basketball IQ. So all of that, but you have two, you're going to have two point guards who are, who are sub 40% shooters. And not, I'm not talking about sub 40% from three. I'm talking about sub 40% shooters, like just overall, like I, to me, you're building out this roster. None of it makes any sense. So it's almost like LeBron basically said, okay, um, let's bring in some guys who'll come in here on one year. And as you said, it's just about clearing the cap space for 19. It's not about actually building a team. And I wonder if that's going to work because when you bring in a bunch of guys who you know you're not keeping, um, it's a little bit difficult to build that kind of chemistry. And so I come back to this. I don't know that this is really about winning for LeBron. I and I don't blame him for that. I just I think he's I would be tired if I was him. Like beating his head against the wall. Mm-hmm. I, against, I I, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind a first round exit or a month off with a air quotes injury. Right. I mean, what's what's the best case? All right. Let's say they don't get Kawhi. And we're going to talk more about Kawhi, but let's say this is the roster. All right. And now we know they're not getting cousins. So when we had Buker on, when we had Sam Amick on, like they both talked about cousins being this fallback option for the Lakers. That didn't happen right now. If you look at their cap situation, as we're speaking here, I think they've got less than $6 million to spend on the players. So, there's not like a lot they can add to this again, unless they make the pitch for Kawhi, in which case then they're going to need to fill out the rest of the roster with minimum guys. Okay. So you're subtracting, you know, maybe Kuzma, if he's put back on the table, maybe ball Josh Hart, probably. So you're going to end up replacing these guys with, with minimum players. But again, if you just look at the rosters, it's constantly, it's is constituted now. Okay. And let's, I don't know what they're going to do with Brooke Lopez. Okay. But but let's just say that you have in your starting lineup, you know, ball. You, you start your your guard rotation is Ball, KCP, Josh Hart, and Rondo. Okay, so you've got three points. Don't guards. forget Lance. And then, well, Lance is your backup wing, right? Like, so Lance is your two three. You have LeBron, I guess, starting at the three. I guess he could start, but uh, I, you're going to have LeBron starting at the three with Kuzma. No, with Ingram, right? Mm-hmm. So. So you've got so Kuzma's a backup then, and I guess your five again maybe Brook Lopez if they bring Brook Lopez back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's say your starting lineup is 
is Lopez, Ingram, LeBron. Kuzma then becomes your sort of 3-4 off the bench playing 25 to 30 minutes. Stevenson is coming off the bench with Hart, with Rondo, and you're starting Ball and KCP. Because I, I would assume that would be what you do because you don't really have another two-guard on the roster that you're going to play. Mm-hmm. So it, what is that team? A seven seed? Nah, I'd, say, I'd, I'd say they can get up to three with... I mean, really? if, well, I mean, you consider Portland got to three with, you know, okay. we, we, I could like for me, the rest of that conference didn't like so far from what we've seen hasn't gotten much better. Like maybe you can talk yourself into what New Orleans has done, but I, I you know, maybe they, they don't. Uh, I, I always struggle with them in shooting. I think I think rely on I think they rely on players I don't think are very good. But, you know, they add Julius Randle. Maybe they bring Nico Miritich back and, and, and they go again. But. I I don't I don't rate the rest of the conference very much outside of Golden State and and Houston. So I think anyone, a particular team with LeBron, like I I don't think that like the difference between three through eight in the West and three through eight in the East is that significant. Like and that's I, probably that's probably true. No, that's probably true. And I think people are sleeping on some teams in the East because like mm-hmm. you put on like a like I, like I think I think Toronto would finish in third in the West. Yes, probably. Yes. And and Toronto, I put them on a poll today about winning the East and I think 2% picked them. And again, they ran away with the East this year. Like mm-hmm. they I mean, not not from a standings perspective, but in terms of a point differential perspective. I mean, they were clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference. It was not close. And nothing's changed except they promoted an assistant. Like that's a, the, the roster is the same. So whether or not Masai makes moves, I mean, that's maybe a topic for another pod, but like they may not have to make up a ton of moves now that their nemesis is out of the conference. But, yeah, you look at the West. I can see it. I mean, if you're Portland, you know, you just roll it back with Lillard and McCollum at this point, not sign Nurkic, not make a trade for Whiteside. I'm not sure. I mean, you mentioned New Orleans. Minnesota, I still don't like the fit with Butler and Wiggins, so that's kind of an issue there. Denver, to me, is the team that just on paper uh, could sneak all the way up to three next year. Like mm-hmm. if they defend at all, if, if Millsap is healthy, people forget he missed three months. And so if Millsap's healthy, you have Jokic, they re-signed Barton, they have Murray. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little team. Maybe, like maybe, maybe you think second half of the season, Utah and you know yeah. make, make the second round gets to three. Uh, Oklahoma City figures something out. Maybe they play Carmelo less and sort of addition by subtraction. They, mm-hmm. they, they get better. I, I just... San Antonio, maybe they keep Kawhi, maybe they lose him. I don't think they're going to be that great. You know, Minnesota, the Clippers, like I, I think the Lakers can make that jump just by virtue of having LeBron James. But I, I, again, I, you know, they're they're going to go out in the second round. Like LeBron is heading for a second round exit. Which I, I'll be honest, like I think Dwayne Wade. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, 
dot com slash Miami Heat. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. His career really turned around when he was able to have two months off more yeah. than he was accustomed to having. Like, I think the fact that he's been able to sort of survive a bit longer is by virtue of the fact that he got out of a team that was going to the finals every year. Like, that, those two months are a big deal. And LeBron, for me, is basically going to have an extra month to recover. He hasn't had that month in, in his career since 2010. Like, that, like, that's a long time to go without a real significant offseason. And so, you know, he, he enjoys his time in L.A., has a bunch of one-year deals. Luol Deng is – because for me, people throw on the stretch provision, and yes, it'll create $12 million in cash space this year, but it, it doesn't help them enough. And and basically saying that we're going to be paying Luol Deng $7.5 million to not play for us for five years, that's a long time to give away a chunk of your cap space when we I, I'm sure you saw that the cap projections are going up Mm-hmm. More than I think some people had anticipated, and so next year, like they could have, they can go again and have as much as like seventy million dollars in cap space again. And so, wh- why not? I mean, I- obviously these young players are going to start to come up for extensions, but I-, I-, I still think that you kick the can down the road for one more year and try and build the real power in a year's time because there's going to be more free agents, there's going to be more players who want trades, and if they know that LeBron is already there, I mean, a lot of people thought that LeBron wouldn't go there by himself, but he might be for the year. Maybe they maybe they make they-, they they pull the trigger on the Kawhi trade, but they're at the very least maintaining their flexibility for another run at another free agent in a year's time. Yeah, and I, I think that's all reasonable. I, I just think, again, it all speaks to the fact that LeBron basically said... Can I, can, can, can I make a defense of, uh, of the roster construction? I, I feel like I'm going to be the only one who's going to do this. What has been LeBron's chief complaint for the last two years for what the Cavs haven't added? Guys who can create off the dribble. Right, and, and so I, I do think that at the very least the Lakers have a bit more of that than his Cavs teams the last two years. I do think that there is something of a reduction, right, that because the Heat put some shooters around around LeBron James, it means that you exclusively have 
guys who can shoot stand up on the perimeter. I think Cleveland pretty drastically misused Kevin Love in not putting him in the post more and not giving him the ball more and making him feel more like a part of the offense. I feel like as much as LeBron is your offense, you saw Cleveland go to hell when he left the game. And so I do think that there has to be some consideration to other players touching the ball, the offense being a little more decentralized, particularly as LeBron starts to age. And I do think that this Lakers roster is a bit more equipped to have something bigger than just LeBron is our offense. We live and die with LeBron. And maybe there isn't enough shooting. And certainly in the modern NBA, there will be guys that will be schemed off the floor, particularly in playoff series. But I, I still think that having, particularly for the 82 games, people around LeBron that can handle the ball and do a bit more with it is at least somewhat important to taking the load off him a little bit. Don't these guys need to be good, though? Like, I, I mean, I, sure. I understand the idea need, of being you, able you to need, create... You need, you need playoff Rondo for 82 games, right? You need him to actually and, and, give and a minute about the regular and season. And you're not going to get that, particularly, uh, you know, if he's splitting minutes with Lonzo Ball. Like, I, I mean, you're not handing him... You, you Can you play the two of them together? Because, look, you can play Rondo with Drew Holiday together. Like, that, that mm-hmm. worked because Drew... Drew can play off the ball. Like Drew is a plus shooter. Um, he's a plus defense. He's a rangy defender who can play both spots. Like, and, and I think he was a bit of a revelation in the second half of last year because people were like, was he worth that contract? And I think, you know, holiday showed in the second half, what he's and how young he is and what he's still capable of. Lonzo going to be able to play the two consistently? I don't know. At this stage of his career, with his my, my my take is I may take my take is I don't think Lonzo will be there because uh, kind of similar to how Andrew Wiggins was notably yeah. omitted from the Lee Jenkins letter in 2014. The Lee Jenkins 2018 story did not include Lonzo Ball. I would be stunned if he's with the Lakers this season. Yeah, I, look, I can see that. Um, I, I I can see that, and, and so maybe they get a two that fits a little bit better there, but. Uh, KCP is a really, really streaky player. I mean, really streaky player. Like, I mean, he can get it going, but he can also totally shoot you out of a game and doesn't always make the best decisions. So, like, you look – and then Lance, like, you know, look, I I know that everybody got sold again on Indiana Lance – Indiana Lance has been totally different than Lance everywhere else. Like, right. I, I, right? I mean, I, I feel like he loses his powers the second he leaves Bankers Live Canseco Fieldhouse. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, I mean, again, he was on five different teams. Yeah. Uh, between the two Indiana stints. I mean, Michael Jordan basically made him a centerpiece, gave him a contract, and Lance uh, didn't do anything with I mean, it. I think it was waived after a year and a half, wasn't he? He, he? Yeah, they just wanted to get rid of the money, and he couldn't stick anywhere else. So now you're telling me that Lance, I mean, I know it's it's a cute story with him blowing in LeBron's ear and everything, but like, <laughs> like, like, like that, that Lance is talented. Like, that's never been the question, but is he going to be focused? And now you're putting him, you're taking him out of Indiana and you're putting Lance in Los Angeles? Like, yeah. that's... Like that I, I, well for, for me, Rodman, right? Like for me, I, the, for me, the part that I didn't understand about all this was why LeBron. First off, uh, the Lakers couldn't have waited, right? If you waited six days, you could mm-hmm. end up with with reasonable facsimiles of the players you you paid for. But in the case of Javale and Lance from a basketball intelligence point of view, particularly after we came off of finals where the meme to end all memes was LeBron yelling at JR forgetting the time. Like you will have moments like that playing with JaVale and with, and with Lance and then with Rondo from a personality standpoint, why if the season is kind of about R and R, right? It's about relaxation and not playing under as much pressure and lifestyle and all that stuff. Why give yourself the headaches? Like, I feel like this team is going to have some headaches in terms of dumbness and in terms of, 
you know, the cantankerous nature of Rajon Rondo. Like, I, I don't know why he wouldn't have just gone for more run-of-the-mill players than these guys that just are, you know, are, are, are professional NBA players like Ilyasova or Bellinelli, right? They happen to be on the same team, but just guys that know how to play, guys that are low-maintenance, guys that are, are, you know, are fairly simple, and you give them a little bit more money than they would have gotten on two-year deals, and you bring them in for one year, and then they move on, right? Like, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't have gone for an easier locker room than the one he's walking into. I mean, I'll always remember the Ray Allen quote in the locker room, you know, after Lance was blowing in LeBron's ear for an entire series, and he's he called it buffoonery. Like, LeBron basically decided to take on all of this buffoonery. Like, JaVale McGee is not a bad guy. Like, nobody who's played with him says he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to do some silly things and, on and, the court. And gave, and gave the Warriors, like, legitimate minutes in the finals yeah, that, he's that, actually, that they needed. What, what's funny is, of all the players they've added, Actually, JaVale fits the best with LeBron. Like Le- Le- JaVale is a vertical spacer in the same way that Chris Anderson was. And so I actually think he and JaVale are going to be fine. Th- that's not my concern. My concern, and I'm not really that concerned for them because, again, it's the Lakers and they're going to be arrogant about it. Uh, and I just don't think they're going to be very good right away. But but look, uh, the other three guys, we've mentioned the issues. I think they're going to be with Rondo. I think KCP is going to drive him a little crazy. Uh, and then... Uh, and then the Lance thing to me doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense. So, I, I, you know, look, do they have some guys who can create? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamal Crawford gets a look here late. Like LeBron's always had affection for him, has wanted to bring him in. Uh, I don't know what Jamal has left. It. I mean, Jamal is one of the great guys in the league, so he'll be good for that locker room. But I don't know what he's got left. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, to me, I look at it and I'm like the pieces that they've assembled so far. It's like you said, like, what's the rush? Like you're talking about a squeezed cap with a lot of teams that don't have money, a lot of players that are out there. I just think there are better guys that would have fallen to them that they could have signed. And, you know, one of the things LeBron said at, at the end, you know, during the press conferences, and the finals was he wanted to play with basically higher IQ players. Right. And so he ain't exactly added, you know, uh, Shane Battier, Mike Miller, uh, you know, Ray Allen and, and James Jones out there. Like, I mean, he's not adding stable veterans like, uh, you know, as, as, as Trump would say, st- stable geniuses. Like that's that's not what he's adding uh, in Los Angeles. And so, I, I, like you said, I think it's going to be challenging for him. I want to introduce you to the newest podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. It is a soccer podcast. It's called Pitch Invasion. My name is Chris Whittingham. I'll be hosting it throughout the World Cup, and then we'll continue after the World Cup. But right now, we're focused on the World's Tournament. It is 32 teams battling it out for one trophy. I'll be recapping the games basically after every two days' worth of action. So every other day, we'll be putting on a podcast, recapping all the latest action, talking about all the major storylines. We'll get some guests on and we'll have a great time talking about this World Cup. It's been really fun so far so you're going to want to check out Pitch Invasion subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts I I want to transition here because we have to get to some heat conversation before we end this because to me we've been we have this DM string at Five Reasons Sports and this is one of the things that makes us different from the other outlets in our market is that everybody's engaged all day long the different podcasts in our network. By engaged you mean yelling at each other. (laughs) Yelling at each other 24 <laughs> hours a day. I mean, it goes like till yeah. four in the morning on the weekends. Yeah. I mean, people are people are doing it from locations. I don't even want to say on the air. I, they, I, I legitimately have not laughed harder in the last six months than reading our DM string at one o'clock in the morning. I think it was two Saturdays ago. Like my stomach was hurting. I was laughing so hard. 
Right. So, and again, we, we kind of referred to Miami Heat Beat as the Fox and Friends of our network. Like they, there's, 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 I, I got a lot of stick for that today. Uh, yeah, they, they, didn't, they didn't like that very much. Uh, and they can be critical at times. But we've been having this debate about what the Heat should do now. And I feel like the Cousins thing puts it into further focus because I think what we've got to decide before we figure out what the Heat should be doing is like, when will they have a chance again, right? Like we have to establish that because yeah. Pat Riley has to figure that out and he probably has already, but they have to look at it and say, all right, w- what are we planning for? We cannot do anything. Pat knows a great team when he sees it, okay? He's had a couple of them, right? So I think he, he has to, and he, and he battled one, okay, in the 90s against the Bulls. So he has to look at this and say, all right, when is this thing going to end? And I can just see them looking at the DeMarcus Cousins thing and saying, well, no time soon, because even if, as you say, Chris, DeMarcus Cousins leave, they'll find someone like him next year to do that. Yeah. And so this is like an endless process until Curry's ankles break. And apparently he's found the solution for that too. So I think you have to establish when you think you have a chance again. Now, with that being said, I think that the Heat have to be If they think they have a chance in the next few years, I think they have to be bold. They don't have any great prospects on their roster. Let's just make that clear. They have good prospects on their roster. They have a guy in Josh Richardson who I like a lot. I think that he's on a contending team. I think Josh Richardson could be your number three, okay? Um, In other words, your, your third best player. Like, I think he has that kind of potential okay like sort of like clay thompson was the third best player in golden state but i don't know that josh has that kind of upside but i think i think it's close enough that you can make that case i don't know what bam's going to become okay he looks like potentially a clint capella big which is is kind of a perfect fit for the modern nba people pay a lot for clint capella bigs clint capella is going to get paid a lot um but I, i don't know if he's a build around player Justice, we've talked about him at nauseum. Justice better. I don't need to get into the rest of that. Okay, I, I like Justice, but I think Justice needs to be on a good team. Like, I think Justice is really valuable on a good team. I don't know that he's ever going to be a guy who can be sort of one of your two top players. So with all of that being said, um, to me, if you can make a play to get a star and start to build this thing, that's what you do. And one, one, of, the, one of the pods that we're going to be putting out shortly in the next week or so as we taped uh, with Brian Grant today for Heat Stories episode. And Brian was very honest about this. Brian was in that trade in 2004 um, after that, that really fun 2003-04 season where Riley had two assets. He had Lamar Odom and he had Karan Butler because he wasn't trading Dwayne Wade. And he basically, he had to throw in Brian and Brian was basically done at that point as he acknowledged on the pod with us today. But he had to throw in Brian to make the money work. And he gave away Butler and he gave away Odom because he knew that Shaq made his franchise different and that he could go out and then add pieces like a Damon Jones, some of the other guys that they got that would be useful until he could get the players that he really wanted. Okay. And which is kind of what LeBron's doing now. And, and to me, if you're, if you're Pat, that's what you have to do. And here's why I would make this case, because if you're not going to do that, I don't even see the point in Pat leading the organization anymore. Because this is what Pat's best at. Like, this is the thing. Like, if you look at the other people they have in their front office, Spo is the tactician, right? Um, And he's kind of in the front office now. Shane is the analytics guy and the guy who has rapport with players. Andy is the best money guy in the league, in my opinion, in terms of understanding the cap and being able to come up with different solutions. They have two really good sort of lead scouts in Adam Simon and Chet Kammerer. 
Okay. And then they have Nick Arison, who's kind of handling the money for Mickey, like in terms of the overall business operation of the organization. So to me, what Pat is about is the vision thing. Pat is about creating a vision and then executing it. And that's why, again, last summer was so frustrating because it didn't seem like there was really any vision to it. And the other thing Pat's really good at is convincing people that his organization is the best place to be. And I know, Chris, that we're going to get people are say, well, what happened with LeBron? And I'm going to tell you, well, LeBron wanted to go back to Cleveland. Okay. I don't, I can blame the Heat for being blindsided by that, but I don't really know ultimately, and maybe they could have given LeBron more power. Um, but I don't really know ultimately what they could have done. People are going to bring up Kevin Durant and I'm going to say, well, who was Kevin Durant going to come play with? Right? Like, as opposed to playing with the best team of all time. In, 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 order, in order to really get in the game on these things, like NBA players are smart. You have to present them with a proposition, a, an ability to continue to grow and get better. Like the only reason why Paul George is staying in Oklahoma City is because Russell Westbrook is also there. You need to find your Russell Westbrook. You need to find, in the case of Gordon Hayward signing in Boston, you have to find your Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and the Brooklyn pick, the the Kings pick, the Grizzlies pick, the Clippers pick that they have, like all these different things that they have that have allowed th- that made them such an interesting proposition. The Heat don't have anything right now that a potential free agent would look at and go, well, that's the reason that I'm going there. The Heat have nothing of the sort. And so they need to spend the next couple of years, two to three years, figuring out what that thing is. It used to be Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is not that attractive anymore, obviously, as, as, a, as a player to go and play with. So what can the Heat build in the next two to three years outside of the culture that everyone likes to talk about? Because even like because Brian Grant mentioned with us, and, and you'll, you'll hear it on the podcast next week, sometimes the culture scares people away, right? Because mm-hmm. you know you're mm-hmm. going there to run a lot, to lose a lot of weight, to be in immaculate shape. Not every player is really up for that intense level of conditioning. So at times, the culture can help for rehabbing players. Does it help for attracting stars? It does for the right ones, but I don't know if there are enough of them out there. So they have to spend the next two to three years, like you said, creating a vision, creating a possibility to go and find this free agent that wants to be here. And we talk about Kawhi, and Kawhi, at the very least, has told Miami he doesn't. He wants to be in L.A. He doesn't want to be here. And so why is he saying that? And you have to figure out what that thing is that is going to bring the next guy here. To me, at the moment, it does not exist on the roster. It doesn't exist on the roster. And to get to get back to the point of how, you know, Pat, again, what Heat fans will say about Pat, that he's kind of lost his touch in this regard. Um, people are going to bring up Gordon Hayward, and I'm going to say he went to play for his college coach in a basketball market um, that was going to embrace him because, as we know, Boston fans tend to love the white guy, right? Like, so certainly, certainly Hayward going up there uh, didn't hurt to play for his college coach, okay, uh, who he had a great relationship with mm-hmm. on a team stacked with assets. Like, I, I mean, that again, can be good straight away. Like, they signed him within a month, they had traded for Kyrie, and they were the favorites to win the East. Now, they both got hurt. Like, he snapped his leg in the, you know, less than halfway to the first game of the season, but they were probably going to win the East if he stayed healthy. Right. And so I'm not going to look, uh, we've blamed Pat for, you know, the way he handled last summer in some other regard. I'm not going to blame him for losing out on Gordon Hayward. So I'm not going to say that Pat's lost his touch to be able to convince people to do certain things and convince them that the heat organization is the best one for them. And that's why I would say this, you mentioned Kawhi. Okay. And I look at the situation for the next few years and like, who are the special, special players 
who could be available. All right. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to move. We'll see. Okay. But I don't know that he's going to move. I, I, to me, New Orleans made a really good move picking up Julius Randle on a two year deal. Like, I think that's a really nice fit for them. They had a bit of a run last year. Um, you know, the holiday contract is paid off better than I expected. Like, they're not in terrible shape. So I don't know necessarily that he's going to leave. Giannis, maybe. Um, but, he seems like he look. He seems like he's happy in Milwaukee. Like he's just such a happy-go-lucky guy. Like I, I guess we would say Kawhi didn't seem like the guy who was going to hate San Antonio, but I think that has more to do with Pop than it does with San Antonio. So and Kawhi's it, uncle and Kawhi's uncle, right? P- family involvement. Uh, Giannis doesn't seem to have that uh, pushing on him. So is he going to leave Milwaukee? I guess if they go through two or three years of frustration, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. So Kawhi Leonard, right now, if you put him in the Eastern Conference and he was healthy to me is is either the first or second best player in the conference right now. Now, maybe Embiid will be better, but you can make and I did this today on Twitter. You can make four teams in the Western Conference, four teams of five out of the players that are out there right now. And that fourth team will be able to compete with the best team you can put together in the East, the best five man group you can put together in the East. Okay. Because that five man group is basically what Kyrie and wall probably, or Kyrie Mm -hmm. and DeRozan in the backcourt. And then it's Embiid at center and it's Giannis. And uh, who's the other forward? Maybe Maybe Gordon Hayward, if he's healthy. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. So, and I guess maybe Ben Simmons, if he develops, might be Jason Tatum already. Right. Okay. Jason Tatum off his rookie season. Right. I mean, that's, that's where the Eastern conference is right now. And so, and by the way, when I made those four teams in the Eastern, conference the only guy I could get on any of those four teams was Dragic on the fourth team at guard so that tells you where the heat are okay so in the weaker conference you can kind of get one of their players as one of the top 20 in the eastern conference and as I said the top 20 in the west are better than the top 10 in the east okay so when I look at it I say Kawhi would automatically be if he's healthy second best player in the east maybe the best player in the east right now and so if you're Riley if you have an indication that Kawhi may stay with you, okay, if his people are not telling you he won't stay, or if they're not being that explicit, that he will only play in Los Angeles, to me, you do what it takes to make that move. And I understand you may have to overpay, and there's going to be some really good young players that you like, but to me, you make the move because I get back to this. That's what Riley's good at. Get him into the organization. Okay. Show him the culture. People are like, well, he rejected the Spurs culture and the Spurs culture is most similar to the heat culture of any around the league. Sounds to me, and we had Buker on the pod say this sounds to me like he rejected pop. Like I don't, I don't know that he rejected the Spurs culture as a whole. I know pop embodies that culture, but it sounds to me like it was really two things. He wasn't getting along with pop anymore. And he had people around him who thought you need to get to a bigger market. All right. Needs to get to a bigger market. Miami's not LA, but it's bigger than San Antonio. It's more glamorous than San Antonio. So I think that Pat can make the case if he gets him in here that Miami's not such a bad freaking place to be. It's the most similar place to LA in the entire league. And so I think once you get him, then at least you can build. And worst case scenario, Chris, what's the worst case scenario? Okay, so that you give up a couple of really nice players, maybe even three really nice players, okay, to San Antonio. You're not going anywhere anyway. Like, so you give up those players. As long as you don't give up a bunch of future picks, maybe Pat's not the guy who's rebuilding it. Maybe it bottoms out, which maybe Chris, as you've said many times, needs to happen, okay, ultimately for you to be able to rebuild. Maybe it bottoms out, and maybe it's Shane Battier and Eric Spolstra who are trying to build the the thing back up, and maybe they have the energy to do that, and maybe they get energized by that project. Okay, Uh, to me, that's the worst case scenario. So 
I honestly, unless Kawhi's people are saying, no, I will not stay. Do not, and that would be, by the way, the first time in recorded history that a player says, I will not play in Miami. Okay. Like, yeah, that's that, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, if he's look, if he's that dead set against playing in this place, okay, then yes, you move on. It's not going to work. But if he's giving you a glimmer of hope, and here's the other thing about it people are like, well, Kawhi showed his true colors last year. Okay. And maybe that's true. Like, maybe the fact that he didn't want to play for the Spurs and he quit on that team and he got upset about what Tony Parker said is true. But if you look at the five trades that Riley's made that were of any significance since he came to Miami, the five major trades, I'm not going to get into the Antoine Walker, Jason Williams deals. The trade for Zoe, Zoe had contract issues in Charlotte and had issues with Larry Johnson. Tim Hardaway was benched for BJ Armstrong in Golden State and was declared done by a lot of people. Jamal Mashburn was considered by some to be the problem. I didn't think it was fair, but the problem with the three J's in Dallas with Jim Jackson and with Jason Kidd. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, issues with Kobe, contract issues with Jerry Buss. Even Goran Dragic, who's the nicest person I've ever met, okay? (laughs) Seriously, Ryan McDonough killed him on the way out the door, right? Like said that Dragic was complaining, uh, that Dragic wanted out, right? The character assassinated him on the way out the door. So the five guys, and maybe you don't consider Dragic a whale, okay? But he was akin to Hardaway, actually. I mean, Tim, actually, Dragic was playing at a higher level than Tim was when Riley made those trades. Because as I said, Tim was on the bench. Goran Dragic was third team All-NBA the year before. Okay, those five trades, Riley made those trades for depressed assets. Kawhi is a slightly depressed asset right now. He also has higher upside than anybody on that list except Shaq and Zoe. And you can make the argument because of Shaq's age at that point that he has higher upside than anybody on that list than Zoe. And the upside may be higher than Zoe's. Okay? So... Uh, to me, if he gives you any indication that he's willing to stay here, you make the trade. And and look, if it doesn't work, Pat at least went out swinging, like not going out signing James Johnson to four years at sixty million and eating it. Like I, that's that may especially we saw today, Chris. Like Julius Randle just signed two years for eighteen. He's twenty four years old. James Johnson's thirty one. He's going to be making what forty five over the next three. Like again, I like James Johnson as a player, but like. Who would you rather every, have? Every deal that's been signed in free agency has highlighted how bad the Heat's current deals are and how, yes. for me, untradeable they are. Yes, and and that was the whole thing. And I, I said that during the season when Lou Williams' deal was made. To me, that was the... the and people are like, well, Lou's in his 30s. Lou also almost made an all-star team. Like, James and, and Johnson's in his 30s. Right, James Johnson in his 30s. And, and so, and if you were to say, who would you rather have next season, Deion Waiters or Lou Williams? If I pulled that anywhere outside of Miami, I think they'd probably pick Lou. So, mm-hmm. look, to me, Chris, I don't know how you feel about it. We'll close on this. I'm sure we're going to touch on this in the future. But I, I, I think I think you're either, at this stage, you're, you're either bold or you're just making the decision, all right, we're just going to ride this thing out, mm-hmm. okay? Bring back Dwayne um, so that the fans are happy. All right, bring back Dwayne. Maybe try to clear out a contract, regroup, do this thing in two years. But I would rather see Riley be the gunslinger here um, because that's that's what made basketball matter in this town. What made basketball matter in this town was the first move that Pat Riley made was he identified the one asset he had on his roster, which was Glenn Rice, who was entering his prime, and said, he's really good. That guy in Charlotte is better. 
Okay, that guy in Charlotte can build my culture. That guy, that guy in Charlotte can get us on the map, can make us matter. And that's what he did. And to me, that's what you would be doing going out and getting Kawhi. And you would get, he's not LeBron, okay? He's not LeBron in his prime, but he would be one of the two best players in the Eastern Conference. And, and they, it would make Miami a threat. And I think the other thing about this, Chris, is you got to do it soon. Because if you're going to do it and try to compete this year, you've got to get Kawhi and then try to add some players on minimums or whatever else you got to do to be able okay, to okay, so let's so, fast dry up. Okay, so let's play the game here. I'm R.C. Buford. I call you and say, all right, Kawhi's available. G- give me your best offer. So so let's, so let's run through it. Dragic? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to. I love Goran, okay. but you have to. All right, to. so Dragic. Uh, yeah. I want I want uh, two uh, two of your three young guys. Which, mm-hmm. which two are you giving me? Uh, I'm giving you Bam and Justice. Okay. Uh, I want uh, your 2019 unprotected first round pick. Take it. Your 20. 20- we're, 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 we're not planning to be in the lottery. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I want a, I want a second first round pick. How far out? 23. Okay. Done. I'm not going to be here anyway if I'm Pat Riley. Okay. Uh, I uh, okay. And then you're taking Patty Mills back, right? Uh, right. Yeah, because you have to have contracts match up. All right. So right. okay, but so 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 you said Justice and Bam. I would I would do Justice and Bam. Yeah. All right. I want Jay Rich. All right. Jay Rich and Bam. We're done. No, no, no. I want I want all three. Well, that's where it gets dicier. <laughs> that, that, that's basically what I was trying to get to. Like how far? Right. So so how far would I have to take it for me to just pillage your roster for you to say no? Well, I think when you're talking two first-round picks, your three core pieces, mm-hmm. having to take Patty Mills' number. Although Patty Mills is not a bad player, like no, I, I no, mean, you, 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 you could do worse. Um, uh, and so we're saying your two fir- two first-round picks, mm-hmm. four years spread apart. Um, again, which Pat's not going to care about 2023 anyway. Um, you're and you're talking about your three core pieces who are probably you know again I think max out maybe third best player on a really good team. Sure. Um, and For, which, by the way, with no promise that Kawhi stays next year, no promise, but also no promise that he's not going to stay. Correct. Next year. Right. Exactly. But but it's still you're out. You're tradable first round picks for the next six years for. Maybe for you know for for Paul George who surprised everyone and stayed. Kawhi might not be that guy. Well, I think when you put it in those terms, the two—I wasn't thinking in terms of two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm just like, for, like, like for me, the game is if I'm RC Buford, I ask for everything. I'm, tr- I'm trading you a Finals MVP. I ask for everything. Where do you draw the line? But, but I think that here's the other question. I, I would draw the line there because I think three young players and two firsts um, mm-hmm. is, is too much. And you're also giving again your starting point guard, who, uh, like I say, is on the other side of thirty, but still a very, very good player. I mean, that's a great trade for the Spurs. I mean, that trade. Think about it. The Spurs won 48 games last year without Kawhi, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, with you're gonna Davis, hit- with Davis Bertans playing the role of Kawhi. Right. So you're telling me you're going to and they just re-signed Rudy Gay. So they've actually, you know, they, they actually have another not a core piece, but they've got another rotation piece. So you're telling me, I mean, you got a 48 win team. You're going to add Dragic, Bam, Richardson and Winslow to it. Like that's that mm-hmm. team's better than Houston, uh, in my opinion. Well, I, okay? It's not it's not better than Houston. It's better. It's better than the Lakers. But I don't think it's better than Houston. Well, but you're talking about a Houston without a reason, possibly without Capella. Let's see what they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, again, you have Chris Paul is going to miss 30 games. Okay. So <laughs> it, it, you, you, you've you have, already you, decided this. <laughs> I, I mean, he's you, just got his money too. Like <laughs> I, I think I think it has a chance. I mean, they won 48 games without Kawhi. Like again, the Dragic Aldridge pick and roll would be yeah. what the Dragic Bosch pick and roll was supposed to be that's sure. pretty good um so I, I think that team is t- with pop uh, and that coaching staff 
They, had they, win, they win a lot of games. They win a lot they, of games. They, they win in the mid-50s at least, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, let's look at it from San Antonio's perspective real quick before we close. So if you're R.C. Buford, are you in position to ask for that much? Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, what, what is what is the market right now? Like, okay, so Philadelphia is going to offer you what? Uh, apparently, Fultz, okay. Fultz, Sarich, and Robert Covington in a first-round pick. Okay. Okay. So, uh, right. Simmons and Embiid are off the table. That's an okay package. Boston. I mean, unless Boston's throwing in Tatum, which I don't think they're going to do. I mean, uh, maybe you do. If they throw Kyrie in, maybe maybe that makes that 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 offer more attractive. I mean, but but Boston Boston can have can throw three first round picks and you know two incredible three incredible veterans or two incredible young players like whatever combination of it they they put together if they want to do it they can do it i just don't know if they want to do it well right and so and they can't trade hayward because although i think he'd be really good in pop system because you can't do that after you just signed him correct um kyrie you can move but again then pop's got to get the same commitment from kyrie that you're asking riley to get from Kawhi. and i is kyrie going to want to play in san antonio like kyrie again he's got a movie coming out that i won't see like he's I mean, like, I, I mean, it seems to me like Kyrie, if he's headed anywhere, is headed to New York. So, so what is the package you're going to offer? Again, I like Jalen Brown. Is Jalen Brown a one? I don't he's, think so. No, but, no. I, I mean, mean, but you know, Jalen Brown and you know, three first round picks. Okay, is Jalen Brown and three is Jalen Brown and three first round picks? Are they all Boston's picks or are they somebody else's? So, picks? Uh, so it would be the Memphis pick, the Clippers pick, and okay. maybe even the Kings pick. All right, so they're high picks. Okay, so yeah. you're talking about those those three. Is that better than two Heat picks? And Josh Richardson, Bam, Winslow, two of those three, and Dragic. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, um, I mean, because but I mean, again, maybe maybe the maybe the Celtics throw one more player in there. Maybe they throw Horford in there. I don't know how Horford and Aldridge would work together, but no, I don't uh, think that would work. I mean, so so I mean, you could flip you could flip Horford, or you maybe bring a third team in or something. But okay, so so let's go to the Lakers. Let, let's go sure, to the Lakers real sure. quick before it close. All right, so the Lakers. So you know what? Let, let let's do let's do the same game. Archie Buford calls the Lakers. All mm-hmm. right, so so we start with what we start with. Uh, I don't even know who, who we start with Ingram, right? Well, in- Ingram is the core piece. All right. right. So, so Ingram and your Magic Johnson, you say, I, I, I want Ingram. Do you, do, are, are you willing to get to give up Ingram for this? Am I willing to give up Ingram for, yeah. for Kawhi? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Am I willing, uh, okay. Am I, am I right. willing to give up uh, Kuzma? I mean, Kuz, Kuzma's next. To me, Ingram, Kuzma. Ingram's not as good as Tatum. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd throw in Kuzma. Okay. And All right. Then, uh, talking ball or heart, basically, right? As the third. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't. I don't know if San Antonio wants Lonzo like that. Like it, Lonzo would be a perfect San Antonio player, except for the fact that, except father. for his father. <laughs> like yeah. his father would have to like leave the country again in order for the for for this to be a a, a, a proposition that I think the Spurs would want to get into. So I I don't know, man. I I don't know. I mean, I do think that the Heat offer. If they were willing to part with most everything, would be a credible one. I just don't know if they're willing to to, to part with it. I mean, you you seem like you'd be up for it, like almost everything. Almost everything, but not two first round picks and the four players. Okay. Like I, I I think I think if you got to, I could be convinced on five of those things. Um, so but Dragic, two young players and two picks, or Dragic, all three young players and one pick. Something along those lines. Okay. I could be convinced. And I think the you know the, the other thing to look at is if you look at the Lakers, if you were to say even Ingram, Kuzma, and I guess we'll say Lonzo in this case, Ingram, Kuzma, and Lonzo. Is that that much better than Bam, Winslow, and Richardson? I would say so. I would say the upside on Ingram and the upside on Ball is much higher than I think. I mean, we know to me, we've seen the upside of 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 Winslow for me. 
Bam, like you said, is a Clint Capella big. I don't think he's a build-around piece. Like, I think Ingram could potentially be a build-around piece. I still think even after Alonso's first season, he could be a build-around piece, even with this meniscus situation that's going on right now. Like, I still think I, I still think a lot of Lonzo Ball. I have a lot of time for Lonzo Ball as a player, if not as a rapper slash son. <laughs> that's a good way that's a good way of putting it. i mean ingram did have a great great uh, i believe it was it was either january or february this year mm-hmm. i think it was february um he had a great one josh richardson had a great december um he sure. just didn't he just didn't sustain it and then but, Dwayne, but the other thing too is that josh richardson the, josh richardson was a four-year college player has already been in the league for three years that's true like no, like, like true. to me he's pretty well formed he, that that's true. Um, I, I think you can make an argument if you're San Antonio that the Heat's picks might be higher. It's interesting to me because when you you look at it, we talk about how strapped the Heat are, uh, but the Heat could make a credible offer here. Again, if they think that Kawhi might stay. To close on this, we've gone way too long again. Uh, but to, <laughs> but 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 to to close on this, um, I guess first thing is Golden State just broke the league again. Yep. Uh, LeBron clearly made a purely lifestyle decision because he knows he's not going to win for the next couple of years. I want to live in sun and near movie studios. That That's all this was about. Um, and three, uh, if Kawhi gives you any indication that he might stay in Miami, to me, Pat, just do it one more time. Do it one more time. If it backfires, your legacy is secure anyway. And going out on a team that's 43 and 39 for three straight seasons uh, with a bunch of guys that the Heat fans kind of like, but are sort of getting tired of in some cases, like some of the names that I mentioned. Except for like, Miami Heat beat. Uh, yeah, even even they. I mean, well, yeah, except for Miami Heat beat. That's true. Um, that's right. We've got maybe maybe, maybe maybe hot take Harry is too loud because I, I feel like he represents Miami Heat beat. And he's like just constantly trying to tell you that you're a moron for thinking that this is a dire and awful situation. But I, I, I still think that it is. Well, it's not. I, I disagree with that. It's not dire and awful. It's just, it's just dull. That, that's all. And, 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 and no. And, okay, and it's is, not the Orlando Magic, but it's still like it's it, stuck it, in it's the middle, not, which I hate. It's, it's not the Heat. That, that's the whole Correct. thing. The Dolphins are dull. I mean, and maybe not now. We'll see where they're going. But like last twenty years, the Dolphins have been dull. They've played inside mediocrity. Like six wins to ten wins. Six wins to ten wins. Um, this and the other this, thing too that the 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 resemblance it strikes to is that the Dolphins never look like escaping it and right now the heat don't look like escaping it and that for me is the part that's most concerning right so uh, to me if you again we're repeating ourselves all right we're gonna let everybody go um so we will pot it at some point again later this week if there's news obviously if if Kawhi ends up getting traded somewhere we'll pro- that's probably the next thing that we will wait the in warriors on. trade for Kawhi in exchange for kavan looney and jordan bell that's coming next yeah basically chicago handed jordan bell to, <laughs> to the warriors for nothing last year for what three million dollars um also on the pod uh we're gonna as I mentioned we're gonna have brian grant that'll probably post next week uh and we're gonna be talking to joy taylor so we're gonna be bringing joy on sweet uh, she committed to an episode next week so have a good night or morning or wherever it is that winningham gets a chance to post this and we'll talk to you soon What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.